Well, we are excited to be together this morning worshiping Jesus at Family Bible Church, um, and we're excited that you are with us this morning. It's, it's a big deal. You know, we don't know what brought you here this morning, but we believe that God was involved in that decision um, to get here today. So we are pleased that you are with us this morning, and we are eager to uh, spend some time together this morning in God's Word. I want to take a minute, kind of catch everyone up on what's going on. So we were in the middle of a series called Because Jesus, which was a study of the book of Hebrews, and we had been studying that for several weeks, I think since the beginning of summer, maybe even before that, into the school year, which is crazy because school's getting ready to kick off really soon here. We decided to take two or three weeks out here to talk about next steps at Family Bible Church. So if you were here last week, you already know what's going on. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. But if you weren't here last week, you would be like, you maybe you wouldn't know. Or if you maybe have never been here, you wouldn't have any idea what we're doing. So we usually do sermon series at Family Bible, but we're taking a break from the study of Hebrews. By the way, I will say it again, even though we're not doing the study, I would encourage you to um, check out the book of Hebrews in your Bible study time. So if you got some time, you're studying the Word of God, check out Hebrews. We'll be getting back into that, not the following Sunday, but the 16th when we're at the park. We'll be doing the Hebrews again. So check that out and start reading with us as we study that the, the Word of God together. Uh, it's a, been a huge blessing taking a look at that. But we want to take a break from our Hebrew series to talk about something at Family Bible Church. It's a really big deal that's been going on for a while. And I think Chris mentioned earlier that we're having a town hall today. So we'll be discussing this today at town hall. And it's this idea that we've developed at Family Bible Church called the On Mission Document, uh, being on mission at Family Bible Church or Family BC. And so um, last week I kind of told you about some of the, the philosophy behind it, I guess, or what, why we're doing what we're doing and, and why we think it's going to be beneficial for Family Bible Church, for those who choose to participate with that. But today we actually wanted to go ahead and, and throw out, as you can see, it says preview copy. That doesn't mean it's a draft. I mean, this is kind of what we've come up with, but it means that we aren't implementing this yet. And I'll tell you why later on uh, in the service today. But we're going to talk today about the structure of the on-mission document that we've, we've come to and why. And I'm going to share with you some places in Scripture where we, we think that this is supported, but how the document gets its structure from Scripture. But the truth is you can find these principles all over Scripture. So that's our goal at Family Bible Church is to live out the biblical commands uh, that Jesus gave us. And so we're trying to do that and do it better all the time as we make disciples here. So uh, we're going to do what we always do as we enter into God's Word this morning, and we are going to pray together. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer that God would reveal truth to us, because we're not here to talk about a document, talk about a church. We're here to talk about the Lord and what He's doing amongst His people in this place. And so we're going to ask that you would uh, pray that we can understand together. Join me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much this morning for the opportunity to worship you. We come this morning bringing our gifts and our talents and our treasures and to worship you, to celebrate you, and to um, join all of creation and the angels and everyone else in singing praise to your name. Uh, we come with that this morning, and we recognize that we are your creatures and that all of our worship belongs to you. Father, we ask that you would forgive us for the times that we turned our worship toward other things that aren't you, that aren't of, of your your desire, and that we would return those things back into your household and back into your storehouse, that you would be glorified for your creation, including us. Uh, this morning, as we come into this place to get to know you better, we pray you would uh, help us to understand the word that you've given us, that we pray that you would help us to know it deeply and then live it out in our lives. And we want to do that individually and as a body. We want to, to live out your word together. We believe it's good for us. We believe it's glorifying to you. We believe it's even good for those around us who maybe don't believe the good news, that it would be good for them if we would be obedient to you. So help us to do that this morning. Help us to see, eyes to see and ears to hear what your word has for us. We love you. We thank you. We need you in this work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So I, I want to talk for a minute about how this came about at Family Bible Church. Town Hall is kind of a funny thing because we've been doing these every quarter. We do them once every three months at Family Bible Church. And this idea kind of started at a town hall. It was brought up by some folks who were gathered there. And they said, hey, how do we know uh, who wants to go deeper at Family Bible Church? How do we know who is, who is interested in accountability or interested in having people come to me and, and, and share with me things they see in my life that, that maybe aren't as they should be in a loving way? And so that kind of conversation started many, many months, uh, years, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago. Some of you were there. Who was there for that conversation? Do you remember it? Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's been a while, right? And so um, I say that because part of the thing was we're like, oh, yeah, we'll do this. No problem. And so, so being the pastor of Family Vouchers, I'm like, I'll just put that together. And I just floundered and floundered with trying to get something that made sense. I told you last week about everything I found was like top-down structure stuff, and we were really looking like a one-another structure stuff. Well, after uh, much toil and labor, I went back to the leadership team, and I said, I have, I have nothing to show for this. And they had a brilliant idea. Someone said, why don't you appoint folks in the body to d help you do this? And uh, that's what we did. So we appointed, kind of like called the on-mission document team or something. I don't even know. We, we don't even have a name for it. But it was an ad hoc where we got together like three times. And uh, there were folks who poured into this, took sections of it, and kind of prayed over it, and then brought it back to the leadership team. I mentioned that to you because in the process went like this. So the, the on-mission the, the on document team kind of said, here it is, and gave it back to the leadership team. Well, the leadership team uh, prayed over it and then went through the whole thing and kind of like dotted I's and crossed T's and had deep conversations. So I don't want you to think that something that was done flippantly or without a lot of prayer and consideration. Overall, the whole idea, but also over what we're going to share uh, this morning with you. So that's kind of how the process worked for us. And uh, today, um, I want to talk to you first from Matthew 28. So this is um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? And this is where all churches really, all churches that are, I don't know, their churches um, get their purpose, right? Our call in this world is to make disciples. Disciples are simply people who are learning to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, Right, and there's some reality for that, but you can see here, and I got, I just did the little ellipse thing here on some of the in between part, but this is what Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says. And uh, I want you to notice something about this disciple making process that you can't miss in, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and is this that it starts with the promise of Jesus and it ends with the promise of Jesus, right? And so you can see it says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's Jesus speaking, by the way. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's our job to do. He was talking to the first disciples that he had made. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That means forever and ever Amen, right? And so I want you to see that this structure that we see immediately from disciple-making is that it must be encapsulated in the promises of Jesus, that he is the first good word and the last good word that we know in disciple-making, and that everything we do then as a church is, is encapsulated in that. I told you I was going to talk to you today about the structure of the document, and that's one of the convictions that we had as a team right away is that this document, for any purpose, must be encapsulated in the promises of Jesus. I want you to see that. That's a big deal because we don't want it to be a man-made construct, right? A philosophical decision, a, a, a tool of manipulation. We want it to be something that we say, man, without you, Jesus, we can do nothing. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today as we look at both the Word, the Scriptures, and also this document. Hopefully you grab one of those, by the way, today. Um, if you didn't, that um, 
the, the, the structure that we have. So if you didn't get one of these uh, sheets, I would encourage you to grab one. Um, by the way, at the end of the service, if there's any left over, and there should be quite a few left over, don't throw them away. I'm going to take those to town hall tonight to share them with people who don't, maybe not have them there. I wanted to give those to you this morning so you can be reading over it and praying over it also, and we'll talk about implementation ideas as we develop this. But I want to talk to you about the fourfold structure that as we got together and started praying as a team that we thought, man, this would be, this is how we felt compelled to do it. That's just the bottom line, right? Nothing's super secret, just how we felt compelled to do it. And we had several kind of structures, but we ended up with this kind of four-part structure. And the first, which I've already kind of hinted at here in Matthew 28, is um, to believe, to believe, right? I told you last week that there's nothing in the document about salvation. And I, we've heard concerns about that, right? Like, well, you don't control my salvation. And we say, absolutely right, man. You, Jesus saved me. Absolutely right, man. God, God's the only one that reached my heart. Absolutely right, man. We get it. You know, we are not arguing with that at all. As a matter of fact, we say that explicitly. You need to believe the good news to be saved. As a matter of fact, the crazy thing is, if you don't believe the good news, then the commands that Jesus gives make no sense to you. The word that God gave to us makes no sense to you. And you, I will say, don't even have an obligation to live it out because the Bible teaches that there's no righteousness apart from God. Like there's no right thing you can do that you can show up and say, God, didn't I do good? Without Jesus, it doesn't exist. And therefore, we agree with you that your belief in Jesus is not tied into this or any other document. It's tied into an ongoing, continual relationship with Jesus who is saving us, who's building a kingdom of God. And that, that's the truth. And so the first thing we had in this document was this idea to believe. I want you to grab a Bible. If you didn't grab one yet this morning, if you brought your own, you can probably find this. This is John 3.16. And the Bible's in the end of the chair rows. It should be on page uh, what is that, Four, 741? So flip there and, and get eyes on it, right? I want to talk with you about uh, what this says. Now, you might, no matter if you've, like, never been in church, like, I know John 3.16, we talk about it all the time, but this is a powerful, powerful verse of Scripture for so many reasons. I'll say a little bit about context on this, right? This is Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, which I love. I've said that a million times. I love that. He came to Jesus because he wanted to know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He came to the teacher, the rabbi, Jesus, and what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, and part of his answer here is in 3.16, this is what he says. God, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Here's the crazy part, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Now, we're going to talk about a few more verses, but I want to talk about that for a second. The crazy part is that what Jesus says is that God so loved the world that anyone that would believe in Jesus will not perish. He says what? Anyone that would not believe in the Son, right? 316. That whoever believes in him, in the Son, will not perish, will not die or burn up, but will have eternal life. I don't know if you heard the songs we sang this morning, 10,000 years and forevermore. Like our life on this earth is like a blip on the eternal radar, but we are invited into God's kingdom forever. That's the word of God. And that's the promise of the gospel. And that goes for who, the word that some translations use is whosoever, man. <laughs> like whosoever believes will not perish. Believe in the Lord Jesus. If there is one thing that we can, can, can encourage you to do, 
is to believe the good news of Jesus for yourself, right? I mean, we talk about all the time like religion's broken and small churches are broken and the big C church tries to get it right and we're sinners when we get it wrong, you know? Like we, we wanna follow Jesus and we, the Holy Spirit's living in us but we keep messing up and hurting one another and hurting others and being stupid. And in the middle of all that, the promise stands that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everything that we've begun to create has tried to funnel people into that conversation first. If, if you take a, a, a class at Family Bible Church, a course, you're going to hear that, that, that you need Jesus to be saved. We're offering nothing else, no work salvation, no good enough, but the Lord himself, Jesus, if you believe in the Son, you will be saved. And that's a huge deal. So that's actually the first part of the document. But I want to talk for a few more minutes about something else in here. So the one thing is the whosoever, right? Say that with me real quick, whosoever. Do you believe that? Whosoever, right? But the second part, it comes in 17, because we all know John 3.16, right? But John 3.17 and 18 say a radical thing about the truth of our condition as humans, and it's true for all people according to Jesus. And if you believe Jesus is a liar, you can ignore this. If you believe Jesus speaks the truth, you must deal with this fact in text. Here's what it says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's Jesus' purpose. But then look at 18. Whoever believes in him is not Here's the word, condemned. But whoever does not believe stands, here's the word, condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So we love John 3, 16 because it comes with this huge, crazy promise, whosoever. But right after it, there's this reality that condemnation stands over all mankind apart from Jesus. That's what it says. If you can read it backwards, forwards, up, down, that's what it says. Jesus taught that anyone who doesn't believe in the Son stands condemned. The word is already condemned. And so we have to understand both sides of the gospel, right, to even know what we're talking about, whether we're at Family Bible Church or anywhere else. We have to understand that it's whosoever would believe will be saved, but it also means that everyone who doesn't believe stands condemned already. That means people who reject Jesus stand condemned. People who mock Jesus stand condemned. People who um, have never heard the gospel stand condemned. And that might be uncomfortable, but that's what Jesus taught. And therefore, there's nothing more important than believing the good news for yourself, trusting in Jesus for salvation, casting aside your own doubts and, and concerns. And, and I'm not saying don't, don't be, I'm not saying be stupid. Don't be stupid. Be completely wide-eyed and looking, but believe in Jesus as you go. He promises he will save us. And change everything. If you grab one of these on mission documents, I want to show you something that you can take. If you have a pen, I brought a pen this morning myself. You can take and you can put a line under the first two paragraphs here, okay? And that, those first two paragraphs are kind of like the believe idea. I'm going to read them for you. Um, I was going to read the whole document earlier, but I just, I'm just going to read it as we go a little bit. So this is what this document says. Just have it read. Um, as part of my commitment to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life, there's two roles there. I am choosing today to be on mission with others at Family Bible Church. I have read, understand, and agree with the statement of faith and its principles. This is believing, right? I'm going to talk about that in a second. I am convinced it is important as his disciple to intentionally commit to, encourage, and partner more deeply with others who are learning to follow, grow, and obey all that Jesus has commanded in this life. That ought to sound pretty familiar from Matthew 28, actually. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Um, that we would learn together to follow Jesus better. But this is rooted in this idea that we believe the gospel, that, that we are um, united in faith in him. And so we start with that idea um, 
that we would believe. I want to take a pause from this for a second just to say this. Ignore this for a second. If you don't believe the good news of Jesus for yourself, if you don't believe that God sent his son to die on the cross, that you could be free of your sin, I would invite you today to believe it. Believe the good news. There's nothing, it's so simple, there's nothing more profound I can say. The gospel is for you. And I know for some of you, you probably think, yeah, but not, not for me. No, for you. The word says, whosoever would believe would be saved. This ain't about your parents. This ain't about your condition. This ain't about your background. This ain't about the part of town you came from or the kind of future you have. This is about Jesus Christ giving himself for us. And no one comes the other way. And I'm telling you up here, right? I came because I believed the good news. And I didn't, but Jesus broke me to a place where I believe the good news. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're broken today. I mean, maybe you're in a bad spot. Let Jesus in. There's, you may have been around churches before you heard people say sinner's prayers, right? The sinner's prayer. But what, you're, what we're talking about is acknowledging that, God, I am not righteous of myself. That, that, that I know that there's some part of my relationship with you that's not complete. And that I need you to save me, to rescue me as paul would say from this body of this 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 uh, body of flesh and sin right who will rescue us jesus and that's for any of you today and for me i believe i hope you believe to it if you do not believe i would i can't encourage you enough believe the good news of jesus today second part then of this um this document structure we're going to talk about for a minute here as well is uh beloved right um beloved and um this was the idea I thought was so awesome. The person on our team that brought it to us, um, they thought, you know, we have, to have, we have to have an understanding of who we are in Jesus. I told you last week about a parent or a friend that would look and say, you are so precious. Do you know how precious you are? But God calls us his beloved. Like, he, he um, treasures us as his children. He made us and he knows us. The Bible is full, full of statements and, and thoughts about the realities of the intricacy of God in our lives. Nothing happens apart from his knowledge. Nothing. He knows us intimately and he loves us. And there's something that we have to understand as a community that we are beloved. See, the, the problem, I think, is that when you come to faith in Jesus, um, the enemy, and J Jesus has an enemy, right? The enemy loves to come and snatch away that joy, that hope loves to chase you down and say, no, 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 no. You don't get to leave that old life behind. You're the same person you've always been. But the gospel says something different. No, 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 no. The old is gone and the new has come. Fully saved, fully sanctified in Jesus' name. And so we have to realize as a community of faith that God treasures us, that he loves us, that, that he's invested in us, and that he's living um, among us and encouraging us and indeed through one another. Um, I would encourage you to look at the next, let's see how many it is here. I'm going to say two, right? Um, oh, I want to share a scripture with you first, though. Let me do this. Check this out. So this is in 1 John 3, 1. And by the way, you might notice there's going to be a pattern this morning with a scripture on your cards if you grab an engagement sheet, right? But this is found all throughout the Bible, so I'm not just kind of proof texting these ideas. Like, you can find them all in the Old Testament, the New Testament. They're everywhere. Um, look at what the word says. Chapter 3, verse 1, 1 John. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we, listen to what the word says this morning, what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, 
we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Beautiful scripture. Do you know the, the love that the Father has lavished on us? I mean, especially as believers, you know. The word says that um, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, but the righteous should understand where the rain comes from, you know. Do you understand the great love that he's poured out on us as his people, that we're beloved, that we're treasured in his eyes, and for thoughts, uh, for reasons that are beyond our comprehension, really, right? I mean, who would give his own son for another man, let alone the son of God, for us? And yet we're beloved. And then that second part, I don't want you to miss it, like the two things, right? The God's lavish love on us and that um, we, what's it say here? Uh, what we will be has not yet been made known. I told you last week that this idea of following Jesus is directional. You know, we're going somewhere together and it can be so easy to be discouraged in the moment. But the things that will be are not yet fully known, but we can live into those things. He's calling us. And that means whenever the road gets difficult and hard, he's calling us into a new life and to a different life. We have to trust him in that journey. He knows where we're going and we can trust him with that. We are his beloved children. So many things in scripture come to mind. Um, we've talked about so many times in Family Bible Church. If you, though you're evil, know how to do good things, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? I mean, do you not believe that he's leading you, even through difficulty, to, to good things? The second, then, is to belong. We're going to talk about the next two, I think, um, uh, two um, paragraphs in this about beloved yeah, so check this out. So it kind of shifts a little bit here. This is subtle, right? And it's not, you know, but I'm just trying to explain where we got all this stuff from. Therefore, right, because I believe, therefore, as a child of God, I commit to abide in Christ. That's a beautiful idea, by the way. Um, living in Christ in the anointing. To love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength that comes from the Bible and be devoted to an ever-growing, maturing relationship with him through prayer, through study of his word, and through living in the spirit or life in the spirit in obedience to his good plans and have deep love for his church his bride and that by the way is another powerful reality that's used in scripture that we belong to christ like a bride belongs to her groom do, do you understand that i mean right now this has huge implications in my own life because we're walking through a, a marriage that's very uh, near and dear to me you know not that they all aren't they are but but one and you know you watch and what would not that groom on the wedding day do for his bride anything and that's what the bible says we are to god his bride being made ready for the feast, ready for, for reunion with him. See, some of the stuff gets lost in church language, you know? We they say these things, but do we really understand what they mean? So therefore, out of a deep love for his church, his bride, his good plans, and obedience, here goes, I commit to love the church as Christ has and lay down my life for my brothers and sisters, right? We belong not just to God, but to one another. You see what it says? That's another thing we say in church sometimes, brother or sister, you know? You ever heard that? Brothers and sisters, we're confessing that we're a family of God, that we, that we belong um, together. So there's, there's a second idea. So it's believe first, um, then beloved, right? And this isn't necessarily progressive. This is just the way the document's structured, okay? We're going to talk about then this third idea here, and it's a, to belong. It's kind of hinted at there in that last part of that paragraph, wasn't it? To belong somewhere. We believe as a church that every uh, person is precious in God's sight. And get this, I said this to you all uh, last week as well. We believe that every person is precious in God's sight. And then get this, we believe that every person has 
a, a purpose to play with well, a lot of peas in God's kingdom. You get that? Like not only are you precious, God has a seat for you at the banquet to bring a purpose, to, to bring something that the body needs. I said that to you last week. Underutilized resource in the church is the people of God. Are we, are we, do we believe that? Do we believe? I've talked to brothers and sisters who have said, um, if I didn't show up, no one would, no one would notice. Yeah, maybe, maybe none of us would notice immediately, but the, the body has changed. This morning, because you chose to come here, and God's sovereignty, you chose to come here, you changed the service this morning by, by your presence here at Little Family Bible Church in Highland, Illinois. Every person matters, and everyone has something to bring. There's something that we believe. Um, by, by the way, I want to do a quick sidebar here, because one thing that we've heard, and I want you to know, uh, that we are listening and that we're going to have a great conversation today from 4 to 5.30 about this and other stuff, but we'll be listening. We're eager to have a conversation, you know, um, about what, uh, why, what this is, why it is, and whether or not we should do it, <laughs> okay? So I hope you understand that. But one thing that we have heard as we started talking about anything like this is people started freaking out, especially Family Bible Church, about this idea of membership, right? Who's heard concern about membership? Yeah, three of you, good. <laughs> no, I know more than you. I mean, because everyone, if you don't know some of the history of Family Bible, church like it's a scary thing membership okay i said it last sunday i will say it again plainly this is not membership not probably in the way you're thinking not membership right um there's this thing that's happened where um churches do it wrong by the way here's the heads up we're gonna do it wrong <laughs> you know i mean we're not trying to do it wrong but we're not gonna get this perfect you know no one has yet but we're gonna keep trying to do god's will among us but this idea of membership that we had is kind of some um broken model of like country club living of like getting a vote of like having uh, a say so and how the churches run <laughs> you know what I mean about we can drive this ship right into the bank if we want to <laughs> you know like that's the idea of membership you know as a matter of fact um, I share with you last week I don't know if you heard it but our constitution forbids membership did you know that that's how big of a deal it was when family Church started nope no membership and we still agree with that we don't think of what God's calling us to in the fleshly sense of the word now let me tell you about the biblical idea of being a member. It's being part of the body. You can't read scripture, and this isn't about what, but you can't read scripture without understanding that we belong to one another, right? Um, how goofy would you think this morning if, if um, I said to you, my name is Bill Dempsey, and this arm has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. I have no use for it. It has no purposes in my life. Completely don't need my arm, right? You know right away, that ain't, that ain't true. Do you need your arm? You gotta comb your hair, you know, scratch that itch. <laughs> right? Tie your shoe. I don't know. What do you guys do with your arm? <laughs> you know? Um, or maybe I, I, you know, I don't need my heart, my brain. I don't need my little toe. That's, so I can get rid of that, <laughs> you know? And the picture in the Bible says, no, every part belongs together. Now, let's talk about that in two different ways. <clears throat> I told you you're important, and I mean it, and we've always believed it. Uh, it's true in the family Bible church here. Every part does its work. Every part purpose, purposes for its function. <laughs> Every part seek, seeks the will of God and then, and then obeys and, and does the will of God to the best of their ability. They're following Jesus, and they're bringing their gifts and talents to the table for the glory of God, not for us, for him, and, and it's beautiful because it's the body working together. That's the biblical idea of being a member, right? Big C Church, global, all the redeemed that Jesus is saving right now and there are a lot of people on this planet that jesus is saving by his blood right now big c church one body belonging together arms legs toes hair 
tongue. You know what I'm saying? Everyone filling their purpose and their context for his glory. And God is weaving together this one body, his bride, for his glory all throughout the planet. And so far at Family Bible Church, um, we have always believed that. That's why we've been so hesitant to talk about membership because we think, no, we're part of the body, right? I told you, we can control who you believe. God reveals himself to us. And yet we've believed consistently we belong to one another. We do. We all belong to one another. That means that uh, between churches, there should be no competition. We have a purpose to fulfill. We're all doing our job. God's glorified. That's the way that we work. It means a lot of different things, but we see it in both ways, right? That there's this. And so I'm saying to you that whether if you believe the good news of Jesus, you are already part of his body. And if you think that you can do this alone and you think you don't need anyone else to do it and you think that you don't belong to anyone or they don't belong to you, I don't think that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, no, you belong to one another. God has a purpose in it. And if your fear over that reality keeps you from participating in the body and seeing your purpose or allowing others to commit to you and you to them, right? Then that's a broken part of your relationship because that's not the idea that God had at all. I mean, Jesus's prayer we talked about here, may they be one as you and I are one. That was his prayer for his people. One whole body. True globally, true locally. That we'd be called together for his purpose for a time. Well, that was all just my little sidebar because I want you to understand that, that, that there's a reality in scripture that you can't get around no matter how uncomfortable you are. But that's not what this is. This is an idea of being on mission together in this place, okay? So I'm going to read again from the Gospel of John. This is John 13. And this becomes the, the final word on all of these, uh, this idea of what we're trying to do. 1334. And this is what the word says. Jesus is speaking, by the way. And this is in the middle of a big mess that Peter's getting himself into, okay? And Jesus says this, a new command I give you. You know, remember Jesus said, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you, right? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus' own words. It's like, here's a new statement for you. Love each other. Look to one another. <laughs> Pay attention to one another. Help one one another. What does love mean, right? Someone has well said it. In our culture, love means a feeling, you know. Oh, I love you, <laughs> you know. We even think about a, a bride and groom getting married, and the biggest thing is they love each other, you know. The old really bad joke is that the first time you marry, it's for love, and the second time is for money. Have you ever heard that? That's a crass way to look at marriage, isn't it? We think, oh, young love is so sweet. But you know, the biblical idea of love is so much more than a feeling, right? Remind me of what uh, Lance shared a few weeks ago, right? More than a feeling. The biblical idea of love is doing anything for one another. Being there when it's really hard. I told you all about this idea of a bride and a groom. What would he do on that day for his bride? Anything. Anything, right? Love one another as I have loved you. This is a new command. Don't, don't pretend it's okay. Some of the things that we realize from scripture then is that I need people to speak hard things into my life and that there might be friends that I love dearly that I have to say hard things to because I love them. And it's not to say that I'm right. It's just to say that I have to do that before Jesus or I'm being dishonest and you do too. Belong together. We belong together in that idea the one another's. And this, and if you were at town hall a few after when this hall first came up, we start talking about this idea. There's like something like 52 or 50 some odd uh, 50 statements of one another commands in the Bible, right? If you've not heard those, read them out. I encourage you to look them up and check them out. You know, make peace with one another. Care for one another. Bear up each other's burdens. It's love, right? We, we belong together. This is a, a hard thing to get used to.
used to in our culture where everyone is so skittish about belonging to anything. Some of us are outsiders, completely outsiders all the time, used to doing that thing. No one, I don't feel safe. I, I need to be on my own because I can protect myself. And we tell ourselves these lies and we don't think we belong or need to belong to anyone else. But that's not what the Bible says. We belong together. I want to read in the next uh, three paragraphs in, uh, in the mission statement here so we can check this out. Look what it says. As much as it depends on me, I will strive toward unity as a member. And there's the word, right, for those who are paranoid, like there's the word, you're right. That means though the arm, the leg of the body, that's of Jesus, right? Seeking to seeking the interest of others above my own, submitting to the authority God has placed over me, that's scriptural. I will faithfully gather with the church for worship, for prayer, for discipleship, and for fellowship or community, right? I will support the mission of Family Bible Church to equip and encourage believers and to share the good news of the gospel with a broken world by freely offering my gifts, abilities, time, and finances for God to use. I understand that fulfilling these responsibilities requires accountability. Here it goes, the one anotherness, right? And by entering this commitment, I invite others who are on mission to approach me in love, offering correction and encouragement. That's one side of it. So we're saying, yeah, I want people to come to me. I am saying, yes, I want to be, I, I want you to tell me the things that I need uh, to improve or to do differently. And then look, I commit to showing love, there's the word, in the same way to others by using the Bible as my foundation to maintain and to restore right relationship. Bible says we're called to be reconcilers to one another and to God, to reconcile others. Part of our job as followers. Um, if I sense that God is calling me out from Family Bible Church, I will share the discernment with others who are on mission with me and invite them to be part of sending me as I continue to follow Jesus. We belong together. And that, that's, see what I'm saying there? So it doesn't, it's like this kind of continuum of care of, of helping people grow and then ble blessing, helping people discern and then, and then going together. And that might, I say people, but that might be me, right? Like, like that could be I come to you and say, hey, I, I sense God's calling me out. And then you, you come with me and take that journey and see what that's about. Opportunities to belong together. I just think, and by the way, you can put a line there then too under those. The, uh, I think that uh, sometimes we get so afraid of, of something because of a past hurt that we miss the opportunity to be blessed in a major way. That's what I think, you know. Um, I always feel like our prayer ministry here at Family Bible Church is a good example of that, all right? And then the last uh, concept here from this is uh, because, and this is kind of where we started today, right? Talking about this, because. And I'm gonna invite you to turn to John 3, or John 15, 5. Sorry for that. And we're gonna hear this together. This is Jesus teaching, by the way, in context. It's part of a bigger teaching, the same concept uh, he's laying out. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing. I, I wanna point out a couple of things of what it says there. It says that he, he is the vine and we are the branches, but it, it doesn't say that we can do some things without him. We hear that, don't we? I think especially in church world, yeah, we can do so much without Jesus, right? No, no, that's not, he says, no, apart from me, you can do nothing, nothing at all apart from Jesus. And we share that same conviction um, as we were praying and preparing this, that um, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And let me caveat, nothing of value. And the only things of value have eternal work. And so much of what we see in the world and even in church world, there's stuff that has no enduring value. But in Christ, through Christ, we can be part of something that's eternally valuable. That's the goal. The last paragraph, I'm gonna read it for you, with you. I recognized that apart from Christ, that's a typo, by the way, she's that I recognize, <laughs> that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. So today, I make this commitment, trusting that Jesus will use this step of, look at the word faith, and this church, Little C Church, to make me more like him for his purpose and glory. Idea that together, by his grace, through faith, he will call us 
into deeper things, more significant things. And not to say the things that have been at Family Bible Church aren't significant, they're all significant, but to say the things that matter, that last in our lives. I'm gonna, I'm gonna close with that, but I, I, I you know, just wanna say again that um, this all starts with believing in Jesus. That, that's where it starts. And the rest of the journey, as uncomfortable as it is, calls us into his promises uh, as his beloved, as part of his body, and then because of Jesus in the end. I don't know where you are today, I'm gonna invite you, if, if, you, if you have never believed the gospel for yourself, uh, I'm gonna invite you today to believe the gospel that simply. And, and you can say a simple prayer to God right now while we're praying. And you can just talk to God. Like, that's how that works. And you can just pray, God, I need you. God, rescue me. God, save me. God, I'm not, you know, I think it's so funny because we, we are not comfortable being desperate, but the Bible is full of desperate people who desperately need God. If that's you today, I invite you to cry out to him. He is near. And then for those of us who are considering what's, what's next, you know, what, what should we be doing as a, as a Christian, as a church, part of the big church, that we would discern rightly his call, that we would be obedient to his call, whatever that is. And believe you me, I don't presume to know what that is. So I want this, uh, as I said last week to be a God thing if it's anything at all. So you can pray that way as well. Um, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me right now if you would. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word and we thank you for your disciples who have gone before us. We thank you for those who are faithful to bring the good news that they would continue to preach in spite of difficulty, continue to share. Um, and Lord, that, that those were around us when we were um, so offensive and so far from you that you and your grace drew people near to us to share the good news with us, to and help us to dare to dream that we could be saved. Father God, for your work of your Holy Spirit, we give you thanks and praise. We believe that through your sovereign choice, you work through the church, and that's a mystery, really, um, that you would choose to work in that way, and yet we want to be willing participants with you in the work that you have for us to do in this place and beyond. Uh, would you help uh, brothers and sisters here who don't yet believe that you made them and love them, help them to believe that today. If, if they are, um, I sense that, Father, if there's some brokenness that they can't get past it, you would overcome that by your Holy Spirit that they could be set free in the name of Jesus today. And then, Father, for us who are... Um already on mission together, I mean, already doing things in your name, that we would be drawn near to you and near to one another through any purpose that you deem fit, that you would be sovereign over that whole thing. Help us individually follow you better and as a little uh, small C church follow you better and as part of the big uh, C church in your kingdom follow you better as well, that you'd be glorified rightly for who you are. Pray it in Jesus' name, amen.